This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, you know I wait for you to answer. Why not? My father used to say, boy, when you ask a question, give people a chance to answer. (laughs) Well, you and I have been looking at Psalm 116, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I'll take the cup of salvation, call upon the name of the Lord, and pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all these people. We were talking about that the last time we got together. Take the cup of salvation means taking all that Christ has for you by faith. Call on the name of the Lord means active faith in him as you face life's challenges. I just finished answering a letter from a young man who says, how do you take all these verses about abiding in Christ and living in Christ and setting your affection on things above and all of that? How do you, how do you really translate that into daily life? A good question. And many people stop right there. They don't really go any farther then asking the question and then going on, blundering their way through life and trying somehow to act like a Christian. A miserable business, to be sure. How do you live the Christian life? Active faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Call on the name of the Lord means risk the situation on him and on God's will and ask him to take control. Colossians 2.6 says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk ye in him. So the same faith that you used as you came to the Lord Jesus and asked him to save you is the faith you use in every moment's confrontation with the situations of life. You turn them by faith over to the Lord Jesus. And you let him handle them. Call on the name of the Lord means active, aggressive faith in Christ as you face life's challenges and crises. And he says, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now. And the vows mean real obedience. There is no substitute for obedience, just as there's no substitute for paying a debt. It's there, and either you have to pay it or somebody else does, even the person to whom you owe it. If he wipes the debt out, he's paying it in effect. No substitute for it. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He paid the debt, which is why we can sing Jesus paid it all. At the same time, God expects you and me to keep our commitments, first of all to him and second to people. What promises have you made to God including that first one, when you came for salvation and said, Lord, I want to live for you, and I will if you'll come into my heart and save me and forgive me. Other promises had to do with your relationships with people, your handling of money, your choice of a life work, your choice of a life companion, your choice of a lifestyle, how you're going to live, all of that. You've talked to God from time to time about these things. Now let me ask you, have you kept your vows? It's a pretty sober question, isn't it? And it it stirs up a good deal of thought, not all of it enjoyable. For in each of our lives, we have certain graveyards of thoughts uh, that we've buried away there, and we don't like to think about them. But there it is. 
We need to get things right with our blessed Lord. I'll pay my vows now. Don't wait. Don't wait. There was a revival some years ago that spread across college campuses. And one of the things that people noticed as a byproduct of that blessed moving of the Spirit of God was that the telephone lines were busy on the very evening of the day when the Spirit of God happened to move on that particular campus. People were phoning home to apologize for things they'd said and done. And the mails were full of airmail letters to people apologizing and getting things right and paying debts and, and, and acknowledging error of one sort and another. Get it done now while God speaks to your heart. Then he says, in the presence of all these people, are you supposed to confess all your sins publicly? No. Dr. O.J. Smith, who's now with the Lord, precious man of God, great stalwart missionary statesman and Bible teacher, taught me many things. One of the things I remember hearing him say was, a private sin should be confessed to God alone. A sin with uh, an individual uh, confessed before the individual. A sin that involves a family confessed before the family. And a sin that involves the whole church should be confessed to the whole church. Pretty good idea. There are some things you will carry with you to your grave without ever saying a word to any other human being, but knowing that you have confessed that flaw or fault or shortcoming uh, to your heavenly Father. No, it's not necessary for you to hang all of the uh, wash out on the public line. No, no. It is necessary for you to keep your promise to God and insofar as it involves other people, they should know that you are obeying God in a matter. Now, he says, in the presence of all his people. In David's case, some of his shortcomings and sins were known to everyone, and those needed to be set straight before everyone. For instance, in the, uh, the matter that involved a, a sort of... Uh, Oh, lifting up of himself in in uh, pride. He had said he numbered the people. Now, I don't know really why God said you shouldn't do this. I only know that it was forbidden. I think it was perhaps that God wanted people to depend on him, not on the census, that they had so many hundred thousand folk who could bear arms. Number Israel and Judah. And uh, Joab even said, Now God will add unto the people how many soever they be a hundredfold. But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing, notwithstanding the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the host, and they numbered the people. Now, it says David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done, and now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. The prophet Gad came up to see him and said, I'll give you seven years of famine, or three months while you run from your enemies, or three days pestilence in your land. And David said, Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Let me not fall into the hand of man. So there came the pestilence. Now David had to make things right. 
David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned, I have done wickedly, but these poor sheep, what have they done? Let thy hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said, Go rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of a round of the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of God, went up as the Lord commanded. And Araunah looked and saw the king coming, and he went out and bowed before the king. And you know the rest of the story. David bought that whole property, and the oxen and the instruments of, of plowing, and he offered a sacrifice there, and God removed the guilt of his sin. Now, he, this thing was public, you see, so he had to get it right in public. That's the point I'm making. I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. The Holy Spirit of God will guide you in what you are to say about yourself and what you are to do. As the rule I gave you that I got from Dr. O.J. Smith is a good one. There are some things between you and God alone. There are some things that are between you and an individual or two. There are some things that are between you and your family. There are some things that are known to the general public. When they are known to the general public, you better get them right before public. When they are known only to God, keep them between you and God. That will make you a discreet while forgiven Christian. Well, we go on. And he says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Is he changing the subject? Not at all. What shall I render for, unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Take the cup of salvation. That means taking all Christ has for you. Uh, call on the name of the Lord. Aggressive faith in meeting life's challenges. Pay my vows unto the Lord. Obey and keep your, your promises to God. Real obedience, prompt obedience, public obedience. Then what? Realize that uh, at some point or other, this physical life is going to cease and realize that you are in the hands of a person who thinks you're precious. Now, that's something that's pretty hard to, to wrap up and, and, and hold on to as a concept. How can God feel that I'm precious when I'm going through such troubles? Why doesn't he take me out of these troubles? How can God treat me as something precious when I'm sick and I'm about to die? Well, if any of you have sat beside the, the bedside of a, of a child who, who was very, very ill and who was about to pass away, and you remember how your heart was just breaking with longing and love? That's the meaning of that word precious. God looks at you, and his heart just breaks for you with love and longing. He reaches out to you, and he wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that he's going to hold your hand as you walk through the chilly waters of death into that bright land of his presence. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now this is under the heading of what shall I render to the Lord? What does that mean? That means I'm going to live my life with the knowledge that, that I am indeed precious in God's sight and that right straight down to the River Jordan, the, the, the crossover into the glory, he loves me enough to say, I'm precious. What shall I render unto the Lord? Verse 16. Lord, he said, truly, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine hand made. Thou hast loosed to my bonds. What do you do to prove you love him? Commit yourself to him in his ownership of you. Let the Lord own you in terms of being Lord of all. 
Our Lord Jesus has that title, that he should be Lord of all. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul wrote to the people in Philippi, He is Lord. Now, if you want to prove that you love him, make him Lord of your life and all that's in it. We'll take that up the next time that we get together. Dear Father God, today, in Jesus' name, we ask that we may be committing all of our life to Thee, that the Lord Jesus Christ may indeed be Lord of all with us. In his name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.